Jones knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 281, likely to go out on the eve of Christmas or maybe a little bit earlier, 23rd, 24th, probably. Jason Lindgren is with me, and we have a pseudonym, Back Agent J, so we can protect the innocent to make a terrible pun. We're going to cover from inside the medical establishment things about COVID and the effects of COVID and everything COVID. Needless to say, this will not run on social media. And welcome, Jason. And a fine good morning it is, especially since you're going to get a giant snowstorm. Yeah, we're about to get pummeled hard, so I don't know what that will do, but they're claiming New York's going to get a foot, and I'm not far from New York. I'm a little further north, Uh, but I am on the coastline, so sometimes we don't get the full brunt of things. But we're recording this on December 16. Uh, On December 15, there was what they're calling a catastrophic Gmail, Google product outage. As we stand today, I have received zero emails from the website. Um, And we are trying to look at ways to switch over. uh, But I have been trying to run just in plain view up to now, but we'll probably have to change something. So in short, if you have not seen my normal, reasonably speedy response, that is why, because we are getting zero email at this point. Anything else, Jason? No. Now let's do this. All right. Welcome back to make a pun, Agent J. Thank you so much for having me on again. Great to be back. Good morning, Crow. Good morning, Jason. So how have things fared for you um, since you opted out of uh, taking the jab? Uh, things have been fine. I That was it. Once uh, that all settled out, um, I haven't heard anything else about it. I, I do uh, still continue to get this. I think it's like an automated email from the people that were sending me the personal statement. So every day in my email box, I get another email from the DocuSign to sign on the on the personal statement. And that's, oh gosh, that's been going on for probably like eight weeks now, I guess. It started at the onset of everything. So to me, that just speaks to the, the policies and the procedures. These things kind of are... How do I put this? There, there's so much. It's just automated. Sometimes it can look so scary when you keep getting pressured with an email, pressured with an email. And, and now I can see that, at least from this standpoint, that personal statement, they keep emailing me. I thought the woman was emailing me every day with it. And now I can see that this is just an automated part of their procedure, which is good to know. I mean, there's, there may not be someone at the wheel, so to speak. So, I mean, what, what you accomplished for yourself, do you feel like it was in a bubble or did other other folks around you working in where you work see what happened? Are they aware that you opted out? Are they interested in opting out or are they just unaware? I would assume that they're probably unaware. I talk a little bit, but carefully with other nurses because vaccination is a very, it's a really politicized topic in medicine. You have people that really believe in it. It's a, it's a tricky thing to just be open about at work, I feel, anyways. So I do speak with some other nurses about it and have talked to them because some of them have expressed concerns about effects they've had from the flu vaccine and just different shots. And people are kind of getting a little, there's a lot of talk right now about the COVID vaccine. Um, I did hear on the radio yesterday that it just arrived in our area where we are. So there will be a big push to roll that out. And that'll be the new thing. Probably one of the new big topics at work. Are you going to get the COVID shot or not? Because it is now here and available 
and they're saying that healthcare workers are the first ones and nursing home residents will be the first ones that are, are going to be vaccinated. So they're going for round two of wiping out the uh, nursing homes. Yeah. It arrived here on the 14th of December, and it was a similar story, medical frontline workers and all this. But there's a lot of to-do on the Internet, trying to choose my words carefully here, uh, where people and medical professionals and others are trying to say that the test is identifying a certain segment in so-called DNA and that this entire thing is a eugenics program. Do you know anything about that? Do you think there's anything to it? Do you have any point of view on these ideas? Yeah, I do. I I followed, there's a, a medical investigative journalist who I think is absolutely just really fantastic in his work. He's been doing this since the 80s. The whole uh, HIV AIDS issue is, seems to be what kicked him off on this. But for since he wrote a book on AIDS called AIDS Incorporated, which is just fantastic. I highly recommend it. John Rappaport is his name. And so since this pandemic began rolling out, he's daily been releasing uh, emails on all the different aspects that he's been looking into. And the testing is, is, is a huge one. His website is called No More Fake News. Really, really good stuff to read through. But yeah, the test is, it tests for not the virus, it appears that the virus has never actually been isolated. Uh, and so they're not testing you for a virus. There's a questionability of whether a virus even actually exists. And what they're testing for is a genetic sequence that they say is part of the virus. Uh, I think Dr. Andrew Kaufman had brought up that this sequence is about, you know, somewhere in the 80 percentile range of what they say this coronavirus strain is. And then to put that in perspective, I think humans and chimpanzees share something like 98% of their genetic sequences. But you can see where that 2% really makes a big difference. And so if, you, if you're saying your test is accurate because it, it identifies 80% of genetic sequences, well, you can imagine how far off the mark you could be. If 2% creates so many differences, being 20% off the mark would, I mean, just kind of render it usable, in my opinion. When you said that people had concerns, people that you've worked with had concerns because they've had effects from the flu shot, can you mention any of those, anything that they're concerned about that might happen again? And how similar or dissimilar is this vaccine compared to the flu shots that they shove down our throat everywhere you go? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's everywhere. And it's free, you know. <laughs> I love that, that they're chasing you around with a free product. Free is often not of a lot of value. So with the flu shot, I, I question what's even really in it. It's, it's very mysterious. Vaccine companies are not required to disclose all of their ingredients. And, so it's, and then they say they make this flu shot new every year. It's really anyone's guess what's in this thing, um, which is one of many reasons I stay away from it. So coworkers have experienced numbness and tingling in the base of their neck, which would indicate some kind of a spinal injury or something neurological. I have another coworker who was quite damaged by the flu vaccine, and I think it took him a few years to recover. He had severe fatigue, some forms of like intermittent paralysis, meaning a, a type of paralysis that would come and go. You know, certain body parts weren't working well, severe headaches, 
I, I think he was really out of work for quite a long time. It was besides physically damaging, really economically damaging. And then he went through, uh, he saw, a, a, I think, a natural practitioner who put him on a thimerosal detoxification regimen. And that's what eventually got him back to health. I don't know the logistics of that detoxification process, but it does exist. And if this is something that any of your listeners are dealing with, there are, I believe, remedies for it. But it's certainly the best way, I think, to avoid these things is just to avoid these vaccines. So then on to the COVID vaccine, as far as I understand, it's a new type of technology in the vaccine, which will alter your genetic material. So, I mean, the way I think of it is you could almost imagine yourself becoming a GMO, if you will. Uh, they're going to genetically modify you as an organism at the, at the genetic, at the DNA or the RNA level. And this is a very new technology. This will be the first time I understand that it's been rolled out on the population. They had a lot of trouble testing this technology for many years. Um, it was very detrimental on the animal subjects that they tested it on. And I think without uh, the fear that they've put into the population and people really clamoring for the vaccine, um, I don't think they could have rolled this, this out. So it's a big experiment they're going to be doing. Doesn't this imply that the immediate rollout and also mostly, I guess, within the medical community, we're going to see a lot of adverse effects? Um, isn't that really, I, I guess, from their point of view, a, a danger? Um, here's the medical establishment. People get vaccinated. If we start seeing all these adverse effects, that seems like it might be a barn burner. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this goes. I, to me, it, it seems like, You've got companies that see some real big money on the horizon and they're just gunning for it. I think that's going to blow up in their face. I think there will be a lot of adverse effects. I think what, what's really been kind of beautiful about the whole pandemic and the way they're rolling the vaccine out is it's, it's finally people are, I think, in a much bigger way, starting to finally question what's in these shots. Because leading up into this pandemic, and I hate calling it a pandemic because it's not, so for lack of a better word. I'll, I'll use that term, but it's not a term I stand behind. Yeah, I, I think this is just, honestly, like from a speaking freely point of view, I think this is just a big money grab. What could happen from a business standpoint is that you, you're rolling out a vaccine, you're trying to vaccinate the world. I mean, that's going to put trillions of dollars into these companies' pockets. And they have passed the legislation that these companies have no liability for the shot. So even if there are adverse effects or, or whatnot, then the people, the company's not on the, on the hook for any, any damages that they've done to the population. Well, they're, they're doing all this for free though. For the most part, people are not per se being charged. are no. they? No, governments are buying these. You're not buying it. Your government is. Well, I guess. So governments are ordering millions of millions and billions of dollars worth of these vaccinations and then well, you'll be given them usually insurance companies charge like if you get a vaccine it's not free they do bill your insurance company for it and i think you never see the bill on that hmm. so it feels free but it's not free well there's there's also a lot going online with people who have become wise to the kind of esoteric hidden encoded things that go on in our world that are often right in our face one of the ones that surfaced not too, too long ago is one of the, is it three 
major places making the supposed vaccine. Uh, Moderna, uh, the end of that name, the beginning would be MOD and then RNA on the back of it. And so from oh, what yeah. I just heard you say, it seems like you're, you're, you're accepting that the possibility to modify RNA or DNA is actually possible. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I hadn't broken the word down. Do you accept, I mean, based on what you just said, I think you do, but do you accept that some kind of an injection could somehow modify uh, your so-called genetic makeup? They can do it with plants. You have GMO plants. And so, yeah, I think that there may be at worst an attempt to modify you genetically in the vaccine and, and maybe at best a successful attempt to do that. So, so did I get it right? Are there three major places doing the vaccine? And here's another thing that just occurred to me as we're speaking here. Um, wouldn't it be interesting to see which company delivers where? Um, because if I've heard you correctly, first of all, they're not disclosing what's in it. We can assume that three different companies probably came at it from three different ways, which would imply that the three major suppliers of the so-called vaccine might vary. And if any of this is true, and they are in fact looking to modify gene pools, then where each company delivered would be kind of a tell, or am I going a bridge too far here? That's an interesting road. I hadn't, I hadn't thought that one through, but you're saying maybe they're kind of targeting certain types of populations or certain groups that, of people. That, that has been part of the testing claim. Yeah, that has been part of the testing claim, and you kind of broached it uh, when you said they're not looking for a so-called virus at all. They're looking, as a matter of fact, people are starting, I've seen it in more than one place, uh, the eighth gene sequence. I don't know exactly because I don't focus too much on this because I don't want a negative mindset. I want to come and try to offer positive ideas or ways people can defend themselves. But part of what I've seen in a number of places is the idea that somehow the test is identifying the eighth or something like that pair or gene or something. I'm kind of roundabouting it, but people can follow where I'm going. And so if that is true and it is true, well, I don't, I don't think we can deny that plants get modified in their genes. Then I think we could start to wonder, well, are all the three major suppliers, is it the same? Because if there's differences, well, anyone can do the math on that idea. Uh, hmm. So obviously there's, talk about what's going to happen when people take the shot. Are there differences between the general populace that you're encountering who want or don't want the vaccine versus fellow medical staff workers who want it or don't want it? And what concerns are cropping up? Sure. Most people, I'm glad they did this. I'm, I'm even glad for the program they called it Warp Speed because it has given people a moment to pause and think, do I really want to inject something in my body that was rushed through? And so I'm, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for that. The way they're rolling it out, I think is fabulous because it will cause a lot of people to stop and think, which is something we, we so desperately need in these times right now. And a lot of people are doing that. And I, and I, I do feel there's a big waking up to a lot of these issues that are really dragging humanity down a bad path. So I find that some of the medical professionals are very enthusiastic about getting the shot. I find these are people that are, um, you know, big supporters of the medical establishment. I mean, they really believe in the industry and there's been this whole engineering of 
wearing the mask to protect others. So they want to fall in and, and into that group of people where it's almost like they're doing this for everybody else, not just themselves. And that is going to be played to for sure by the, by the public uh, relations companies as, as the vaccine comes onto the public. I read, I think in the World Economic Forum, that there are universities right now that are testing out different uh, psychological tactics to encourage people to get the vaccine. I think they had picked eight different topics, how to be more patriotic by taking the vaccine, how to protect your neighbor, just, you know, then they had a shame tactic. So there's a real psychological front with this, and some people are going to become susceptible to that. Once you tell people that the vaccine company has no liability for this shot, that's one thing I've discussed with other nurses when we talk about whether or not we're going to get it. That right there immediately triggers sort of a shocked reaction in the person who didn't know it. And they're almost in disbelief that this brand new vaccine, brand new technology, almost experimental product is going to be rolled out on them and they would be fully liable for any damages that are incurred. Well, imagine if it does do damage, then they've knocked out the medical workers, right? You can almost see an evil. I mean, if any of what we're going down, we're, we're, we're trying to logically suppose what we can't possibly prove a hundred percent. Some of it, we can come pretty close based on what other medical experts and, and people who understand how vaccines are made, uh, have been looking at. But if, you know, think, think about if it is true that they're you know, this truly is experimental and they're rushing it and there are adverse effects. That means the first people that could be knocked out of commission are the people that run our hospitals and our hospitals are already a bit of a joke. I mean, I, I watched three videos this morning, um, saying they wouldn't allow me to take my 80 year old mom in. And then other people saying I got my young child in, but they wouldn't let me in. But mm -hmm. this almost, and pull me back in if I'm going too far, if logically we go down the path, that we're going down with ideas like mod RNA, Moderna, and uh, identifying a, a particular gene. This is a blatant, in-your-face, this-is-happening-now form of eugenics. And I'll say it again, if the assumptions we're making, the logical paths that we're trying to travel here have any correctness, I mean, do you think? Yeah, I absolutely, I do agree this is a eugenics program going on here, 100%. 100%. Now, that's a big statement. Not that I'm not agreeing with you, but why would you say that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You don't have to comment on anything you don't want to comment on. If you feel like something yeah, should no, be, I, just, just understand that you only say what you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I've been, I'm trying to like work the idea out in my head. So being in the hospital during all this, I'll start here. Back in where I work, and I can only speak to my hospital, but back where I work, where I work right now, in October, they cut half of the nursing staff, which was unusual because coming into the winter season is normally a hospital's busier season. You have a lot more respiratory issues. And, and you know, and then they had been saying there'd be this second wave of the COVID really since the first wave started. So there's a lot of reason to staff up, even in a year where there's not a disease that they're talking so much about. The hospital I work at cut the staff in half so now the hospital is at capacity, which is normal. Hospitals stay at capacity. That's how they remain profitable. And the hospital is completely overwhelmed because we're functioning at full capacity with half of the staff. 
So that right there puts patients in a bad situation because now each hospital staff member, each clinician has more patients than they would normally have. So if you flip that, the patient has less access to hospital staff than they would normally have because the hospital staff is now diluted by the patient ratio. It's kind of like a teacher who has a classroom of 15 students and then suddenly, like literally almost overnight, they make her classroom 30 students. You know, those 15 students that she originally had aren't going to get the same type of education and attention necessary now that there's double the amount of kids in the classroom. So that's where my hospital is at. The staff is scrambling, trying to keep up with everybody. Family's not allowed in the hospital anymore. And that is a massive problem because family is really what gives you the context on a patient. Family can let you know if somebody is getting sicker quicker because they they know their family member. Um, When I come onto my shift, I have a 15 to 30 minute period where the nurse that's going home is giving me a report on on the five patients that she has. And that may be the first time I would ever meet you as a patient that morning. So I don't, I don't know what you're like outside of the moment I meet you. I don't know if I meet you and you're confused. I don't know if that's normal for you or not. And normally when there's a family member in there, that's the person who can pull the picture of you together for me and let me know my mother or my grandmother is doing better. My mother or my grandmother is doing worse, but I'm flying blind largely. This is a real issue, not having family in the hospital. This is, in my opinion, extremely dangerous. You know, everything I'm hearing about all this sounds like they're setting things up for failure, not success. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's interesting how they're holding the medical professionals up right now as like these, I think it's healthcare heroes is the terminology I'm hearing. Heroes work here. There are signs everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're putting, they're putting everybody up on a pedestal, which means that it's only a matter of time before the fall comes. It seems like another thing would have to go on without family there. That would open the door to abuses. Um, what if people are in a position yep. where they can't readily communicate or, or, I mean, I could think of quite a number of things. So the hospital just applies policy or does whatever it wants at this point. Cause back in the day, it used to be the wife, the husband, the mother, the father were right there calling the shots. Exactly. Through the whole process. So they're there day to day and watching the changes and speaking with the doctors at the same time as they're watching their family member. That's what's so important. Uh, family members still call into the hospital, but they haven't seen their family member in a week or so. And I've had so many family members like this. This has started. I started realizing there's a pattern here where people would say, I would get a patient and they had been in the hospital for two weeks. It was my first time meeting them and they were um, requiring lots of oxygen and just doing really poorly. And the family members would call in and I would, I would talk to them again. It's my first day with the patient. So I, that's all I know about the patient that they require a lot of oxygen. And the family members would say to me, my father was not that bad when we brought him in, he was having some symptoms of cold and flu and so on and so forth. And so people get real jumpy about COVID and they bring people to the hospital, but then they drop them off at the hospital. And and now the hospital almost takes custody of this person 
and the family's not allowed in. It's difficult for the family to call into the patient room a lot of times, but they don't have any eyes on, hands on with their mother, father, husband, whatever. So I've had a lot of family members tell me he wasn't that bad before we brought him in. And I'm looking at a patient who's in very bad condition. And I'm thinking, what the heck has gone on in the last week or two weeks? Why is this person in such bad shape? And they weren't when they arrived at the hospital. And as I've been working on these COVID units, it seems to me that the treatments that we're offering these people are not at all effective. And I almost wonder at some if it's putting them off in, in a worse direction. Are you seeing, like right now, you just said you're running at capacity. They've reduced the staff by roughly half. Um, yeah. Are you, are you seeing just boatloads of people where if you pick up their their little clipboard there that says why they're there, that it says COVID on it? Is that a big part of the capacity of your hospital? Yeah, there's definitely been a large influx of people who are diagnosed with COVID. When I say they're diagnosed with COVID, they don't need a positive test to be diagnosed with COVID. I think the financial incentivization of COVID is still very much a thing. For example, if you came into the hospital and we we gave you a diagnosis of flu, that would be after they did a flu test on a patient. You would need a positive test to write the word flu on somebody's chart. But in the case of COVID, you don't. If somebody comes into the emergency room and says they were tested for COVID at, you know, say Walgreens and they got a positive test back, we'll just accept that. And we don't necessarily retest the person so that we have a positive test on our end of the hospital. And again, as far as the test goes, I use that word so loosely because the test itself is, there's a lot to question in that test. I do not think that this thing that they're calling COVID is spread person to person. Um, I'm not sure. There are people with a respiratory condition that are coming in. I have seen that. I do not believe in the existence of this one magical virus that keeps resurging through a population. It just doesn't follow any natural disease process I've ever seen before. I wonder if it's an environmental exposure. I don't know exactly what is kicking off this respiratory distress in people, but I do not think it is in the presence of another human being. I, I can offer an encode that I just recently saw movie, I think 1995, called Johnny Mnemonic, which is Keanu Reeves learning how to act movie and gearing up. He's actually called Mr. Smith at one point in 1995, gearing up for the Matrix series. He shows up in an Asian town where there is a pandemic going on. Everyone's wearing masks. The year is 2021. As he goes through this whole digital kind of dystopian nightmare, he finally gets to Henry Rollins, of all people, playing the part of this doctor who's the genius and knows things. And finally, he's asked, well, if people are not getting sick from a pandemic, what's making them sick? And he points all around him at all the electronics and screams, what do you think is doing it? It's all these things we can't live with. It's the electronics. So that was encoded into a 1995 movie that nailed the pandemic and the year 2021, and the fact that everyone would be using masks, and the fact that Asia would be involved. Yeah. And on its own, this is not proof of anything, but since we know that so many things get kind of put into human consciousness through the entertainment, it's a thing to consider, isn't it? It is, yeah. I I think there is a strong argument for 
the 5G rollouts and a number of that stuff. I I wonder if the I'm really just speaking, watching what I'm what I'm seeing at work and just trying to put these things together in my head. So I I want your audience to take this with a grain of salt because I don't have concrete answers on this. This is I'm just sharing how my brain is rolling through things as I watch. But um, I I often wonder if the flu vaccine itself in previous years hasn't primed people up for something like this. I do notice a lot of the patients that they're diagnosing with COVID or or have uh, a history of the flu vaccinations. You have things that are being sprayed in the air. You have things in the food. There are a lot of things coming at people right now. So then what is the catalyst for this? You know, this a weakened population. But so, what is the catalyst for this respiratory distress? And again, I I absolutely don't believe in this magical virus. John Rappaport goes into an interesting point with this, and it was something that had just sailed right over my head until he said it. That to believe in a pandemic, you have to get people to believe that one germ is capable of traveling around the world and causing one disease in the world population which is a big leap. It's something that I don't think really pans out in the natural world. Well, it's novel, isn't it? It's a no- it's very novel. Yeah. It's quite novel. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that just another so, way to say fiction? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people, when I, when I bring up that point, they say, well, what about the flu in, the, in 1918? What was that? The Spanish, the Spanish flu, right? And I'm literally watching them cook the books in real time at work. And the thing that I keep thinking about is that all these people are having these COVID diagnoses, yet they don't necessarily need tests. And the testing itself is very questionable. So they are cooking the books on the numbers. It's, it's incredible to watch because what I realize is that when I pass away, when all of us pass away, 100 years from now, when none of us are around anymore to speak of what this really looked like, you'll have the historical record and it will be the, all these numbers, all these cooked books. And so you'll have a falsified account of a pandemic. And do I think that this is the first time that that has ever happened? No, I, I question go. the Spanish flu deeply. What about the Black Plague? Third, third of the world died, don't you know? I, I have questions about that too. I have questions about everything now. Just going through this, I'm like, wow, I'm watching history be made and, and altered. It's unbelievable. It really makes you, it's definitely made me question a lot. There's another thing that's gone on here that is a tough thing to talk about because people will feel like we're downing them. And that's really not the intention of what I'm about to express. I care equally for all people. As a matter of fact, even people that are doing wrong, I would not throw under the bus. I would not appreciate and I would let them know. But to me, it's not a reason to do away with them. We're all here working out a life and it's not easy for any of us most of us there are a few that sail through very fortunate but how is it that we get an agent j out of the place you work which has proved to me that you reside on the right hand path and i don't question i know who you who and where you are because i know that you are like me and i knew at the moment i read the document you wrote you managed to take this magical thing that is the closest to magic most of us will ever get called language and express that you're not putting this pro- this product into my perfect created body and the way you worded that document to opt out 
it's proof beyond all. I never needed to speak with you, meet you. I knew from those words alone who I was about to meet when we set up the meet. But how is it that we get one or two Agent J's in your place and all these other workers in there are just going along with it? And this really is the conundrum of our time because you've got to imagine the people pushing the agenda must have some idea of the success rate based on all the data they collect and everything else. And it's almost like we're in real time witnessing a winnowing, if anyone remembers what that word means, of all these people that will be scared into doing a thing that will be detrimental. There's talk, and this is talk. I can't prove it. But there are a lot of people with ideas that sterilization will be one of the long-running results, that actual death may occur in certain types of human beings. Uh, But my point is, here's another example. I saw a sergeant report video where he had to rush his son to the hospital. They wouldn't let him in. And he said, what the hell are you people doing? This is not a dictatorship. This is my son. You people are enforcing this kind of new world order takeover. And the people were having none of it. And so my point here is, um, when you go into work, do you feel like there are some kindred souls in there with you, or do you feel like you're shining in the light all by yourself? Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the thing right now. I, I, I want to say thanks. Thank you very much for the, for the kind words. True words. I don't have to question I, what I just said. I know it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, Again, I just want to make it clear, I, I did really pray about that document, and I'm just a, a pretty regular person. That spark of brilliance came through from a, a higher power than myself, for that, sure. that is the potentiality um, of every human being that you tapped into. Yes, it I is. It out. is. Yes. Yes. That creator exists, and you can tap into that uh, anytime you want to. Uh, first, you've got to know that that you you know your your that spirituality that the creator he's there always um and that you always have access to that and there's so much in the world that is trying to make you forget that or not believe in that that you're just so and so with this name and you have this social security number and you have this job and this birth date and you're just a random bunch of accidents that you arrived here and, and none of this is true every single person here just has this potential that's incredible. And there's just so much effort every day, 24 seven to get you to forget that, to make you not believe in that. So don't ever fall for that. For whatever tactics that are are used against you, you are flawless. You are just something absolutely amazing, unique, and here now in this moment for a reason. Don't ever let that pass you by. So so do you feel like you're you're alone? Well, there's like a few of us, <laughs> a, a few of us at work, not many, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I feel like I'm in, um, I don't know how to put it. I feel like I'm in, uh, there was a movie with Nicole Kidman um, where people were changing into this other thing. There was a virus going around and yep. do you remember that? So it was like they had to throw up in your mouth. It was really gross. Like how they gave you the virus, like. They would throw up in your coffee or anyways, you drank that you became exposed to this virus and it turned you into kind of a, like a zombie and a zombie. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like, but the zombies could sense when somebody wasn't a zombie, right. You know, and they would, they would go after that person. 
And I, I sometimes feel that I'm living in a world somewhat like that. I have to be very careful what I say because I don't want to call a whole lot of attention to myself because there really is this strong belief in this virus and how we're going about it in the medical system. And, and really any questioning of it is met with almost hostility. You know, oh, you're not one of us is kind of the sense that I get. So I have found two other nurses or three other nurses, actually, uh, that we've been able to have some pretty, pretty free, open conversations about things. So that's been encouraging. You know, I'm not the only one in there, but what about doctors? <laughs> you ever meet a doctor that's questioning all this or? I, yeah. So I, the, the doctors are, are interesting. I, I do know of two doctors who, uh, one doctor actually, who's really open about how he doesn't get vaccines. I was shocked, but also very encouraged. And he just says it so matter of factly as if it's just a normal thing for everybody to, to stay away from them. And it, it's great to hear someone speak that way in the medical establishment because the medical establishment is largely just in the cult of believers of vaccines. It's almost like there's this secret wink developing that we can identify. Yeah, there is. There as, is. As a matter of fact, now get this. It's this, kind of cool. <laughs> it, this is a bridge so far. So a friend who knows me very well sends me this clip of a show that's on TV called Ridiculousness, which is basically human culture being pulled down. There are three typical people on the on the, the panel that show the videos on the show Ridiculous. One's like an ex-skateboard guy. Uh, there's a, an African-American or a man of color, maybe is a better way to say it. And there's this girl named Chanel West Coast. And I think the perception of most people in the view would say, oh, those are sold out Hollywood people. But he sent me this clip, very short clip of Chanel West Coast. And there it is. There is the light inside that person that I think most people would write off as totally sold off where they made a joke about COVID or the masks. And she looks up and she goes, okay, I'll go along with this, but are we just going to make fun of this? Are we just going to pretend like Satan isn't taking over the world? And you can see for a brief moment, she drops the veil to let everyone know what are we doing here and then quickly snaps it shut for fear of being pulled out to the firing line. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's this weird thing that's about to develop where those people trying to stand in the divine spotlight, you know, it's almost like the old Christian story where we're going to secretly write the sign of the fish that no one else knows about. It almost I was feels, thinking the same thing. Yeah. It, it almost <laughs> feels like we're about to be there. Yeah, I think uh, to some extent, like, I, I, I do look forward to that a little bit because there is an immense sense of camaraderie when you find someone that holds your some of the same. What's the word? Common sense. <laughs> Common yes, sense. when you find someone holding that, gosh, it is like you know you have a friend. I mean, immediately you're like, okay, I, I found one of my tribe here. It's real. It's real. It's like it's like far between. It, it's like wandering through a world of children and meeting an adult. <laughs> and I know that seems a bit rude, but you hear versions of this. So what's the other way they always express it? Oh, finally, another person who speaks dolphin or something like that. They express it. Yeah. But that's where we are. So, I mean, do you feel like there are any number of doctors in what you've witnessed that are not what? down, that, that may be trapped in the system, but are not down with what's going on here? Unfortunately, at this point, not yet. No, I've actually dealt with more blowback from doctors than anything else. I'll, I'll give you a few, a couple little 
antidotes here. The other day when I was at work, I had uh, one of my patients who was diagnosed with COVID also was having chest pains. And so the hospitalist had called for a cardiologist to come and consult, you know, and make sure there wasn't a heart issue going on. So we have these little handheld flip phones at work. That's how we can, we always have a little, a work issued cell phone. So you can communicate throughout the, uh, you know, throughout the organization, but then the phones will also call out if you have to call medical offices or, or family members or whatnot. So my phone rings and uh, it's a cardiologist and the cardiologist says that is the patient a COVID patient? I said, yes, the patient's COVID. She said, well, I don't want to expose myself to COVID. So I'm going to need you to go into the room with the phone and, you know, you stay on the phone. I'll ask you the questions you ask the patient. And so this would constitute the initial uh, consultation of the doctor to the patient. And, you know, when a doctor meets a patient, they go and they assess the patient at the bedside, ask the questions, you know, check the pulses, listen to the lungs, all that kind of stuff. And so what I'm being asked to do is that assessment and consultation, you know, via the phone, because the doctor doesn't want to go into the patient's room. That's ridiculous. It it, it just is. I'm I'm not trained as a cardiologist. There's things I'm just not going to be able to pick up on. And we're it, on it's a, not really we're medical on. care, is it? That that that's like no. virtual reality. And even less than that, because it's like a Nokia phone. It's there's no uh, camera or anything on it. Even if there was, like, no, you're the doctor. You need to go see your patient. You can't send me in there to do your job, ever. Especially not the first time. So the doctor and I went back and forth on that, and um, the doctor said to me that she was afraid of exposing some of her older family members to COVID if she went into the room to see the patient. But it's fine if you and, go in where she won't, right? So there might be a oh, lion know, in right? that den, but you go in and face the lion. That's the idea. Like, Yeah. So I'm not afraid of this thing at all. I absolutely do not think it's past person to person whatsoever. Nope. It does. It never bothers me going in the room with people. However, if I'm in the hospital, I will speak the language that they're speaking. So, you know, I let the doctor know hey, look, everybody on this floor that's dealing with the patients, they have family members at home too. They have all the same concerns as you. You don't get to not do your job because you're worried about your exposure. That's, you know, that's absolute cowardice. And reducing your exposure by increasing mine is yeah, unacceptable, basically. I, I've, Again, said, I've said a few times recently in not so dire a situation, I have commented to people in the world that this country used to be referred to as the home of the free and the brave. And currently it is neither of those things. No, if you're a doctor, you have to be willing to face disease. Like at the bedside, you can't, you can't be scared. Pretty much part of the job description of a doctor, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly what a doctor. Yes. That's the whole thing. You can't (laughs) opt out of that part of it. It just blew me away. Anyway, so a whole bunch of calls got made to the higher-ups, and then the doctor had to go and see the patient. Oh, really? So that was good. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. That, now, now there's a doctor out there with a bone in her teeth for you. Yeah, there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> but so far, they have, <laughs> there's more than one at this point. So, I, I mean, if you had to assess, and I know we're kind of still in the heat of the moment because this magical Insta vaccine that just came on and nobody gets to know what's in it or anything about it. 
just came online. So I don't think we can claim we're very far into this. And by the way, another thing I noticed to break my own train of thought is I just saw, where was it? Was it on the radio? I don't know. I don't watch a lot of media, so I can't place it. But the idea was that the first vaccines go into those heroic medical workers and a couple other places, but the next rounds, unfortunately, probably won't be available for the general public until spring or until the height of summer, which shows you that, well, clearly COVID is just a thing that never ends, right? Every, every flu season we've ever had in the world comes and goes, but this one, it's magical, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's really, um, it's a wonderful why why cure this disease it's the perfect way to control the population the cure would i mean if you were looking to control a population you would never want to cure this this thing's fabulous that you know you can have surges of it lock things down the the economic destruction of it and the wealth transfer involved with it it's just so manufactured and benefiting some people so so unbelievably well. Well, there's there's another side yeah. of the mon- the money. Um, I do have people yeah. who who know about these things, and so let's be honest. Uh, money is created out of thin air, fiat currency. But what I am hearing in the circles of people who are in positions to actually know something about the monetary systems, they they rightly predicted the fall of fiat. By the way, um, to the year to 2020, are claiming. Uh, and this is a claim. I'm not telling you this is true. I'm telling you that it's from a source that has been right in the past and actually knows way more about monetary concerns than I ever will, that the monetary reset is absolutely coming in 2021. It's what they're claiming, which would make sense because of the blackjack ideas that we've covered going all the way back to 69 in the movie 2001. But to get back on point here, all the money that's been transferred to date, like we, Jason and I covered at some point that if an admission happened with COVID, it was 30 or $39,000 got paid for writing COVID on that admission to certain hospitals. If a death certificate could pick that up, it was closer to 60 or 70 grand. We even had people contact us saying the hospital contacted next of kin after a death, offered them nine or 10 grand to allow them to put COVID on the death cert. But my point here is this is thin air money. And so if this reset is coming, what's the irony involved here when all this kind of air money that we've been handing around called fiat gets reset? And here's the real kicker. Nobody but nobody seems to understand uh, what the reset might be. And it almost appears to me that this is the Thanos metaphor put in in the Marvel movie where Thanos's brilliant idea is clearly nature is not perfect. So we've got to come in and regulate population because nature and God are stupid and whoever created this place didn't know what they were doing. So I'll do it for them. But the genius of it is, is it will be completely even-handed, rich and poor alike. And it almost feels to me like that's what the monetary reset's going to be about. But I mean, I think we should be honest about the, the wealth transfer that's gone on here. Someone took thin air out of one Ziploc baggie and put that thin air in another Ziploc baggie. And by the way, there's people around with thumbtacks. Yeah, there is people around with thumbtacks. That's a very good way to put that. Yeah. So I, I'm, ju- I'm just saying the, the wealth part of this is, 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 is a non-starter because if they want more wealth, they tap a keyboard. This is the central banking system. And I would point right. out that to me, the agenda 
to make a terrible fun, trumps by a million miles the overarching goals. In other words, the real thing of value from my perspective and doing what I've done here and research till my fingers bleed just about every night, data is the only real value right now to the power players. Wealth is a thing they can have. They could they could start spending it by the billions each day and never run out of the access they have. That's the way I view it. And the outcome of a thing has become far more important. But when we understand that there are more shoes to drop, like what's this email outage with Google that's going on right now? Is As a matter of fact, Rose pinged me and said she took an update on a Google app that used to have tons and tons Almost every language she could translate, it's gone down to a handful with last update in tandem with the email failure. So you can see the control mechanisms that are coming. But my point is, is really isn't this the, the value for people doing it, the outcome, the control, and everything except the idea of money? Yeah, I, I see. I think I see what you're saying. I, I, I think there's a real push to almost um, hack into how people are thinking, what people react to, and, and learn more and more about how to control human behavior. And in that, you know, that's a lot of that's data algorithms and so on and so forth. But therein, if you can control a population, your wealth, if you're up as one of these controllers, it's not true wealth, but I can see how some people look at that as wealthy living to have just all these subordinate population underneath you because you figured out how to control them. Well, it's ironic. Um, every that a time corp- you do a Google search, you're telling Google what you're thinking. There it is. You know, that I mean, every data. time you type, yeah, there's the data. That's your mind. You're putting your, every time you Google search, you're telling the people at Google what you're thinking about. Well, people get so amazed. Oh my God, I sat down at my computer and I hadn't even done a search or talked about it or done anything. And when I went to go search for this thing, the ad was already up. Well, there's the value of the data, folks. Google knows what you're about to do better than you do. Your subconscious yes, may understand, yes. but you do not. And the reason Google knows is because they have these powerful things called data mining algorithms that look across basically a world population, which is an endless data set, which in essence gives them a time machine of specificity that is truly shocking, I guess is the word I would use, when they know that you want a snow jacket before you know you want a snow jacket. But you see, the thing is, is there's a few billion other people out there that have already been crunched through the numbers. So it was easy for them to tell the indicators about when someone is about to want a snow jacket. Um, And actually, some of it's even far spookier than that because you can get information on a set of boxing gloves from information that has nothing to do with boxing gloves. Um, But we do need to wrap up here, Agent J. We'll take about a 10-minute break when we come back. This is the thing about the time we live in. So many of the things a human mind could stop and scrutinize and logically work out. Like, what is the value of money? And by the way, if money really has no value and there's some kind of a reset that's been promised in the open, and I have now told you that people in the financial industry that have worked outside of fiat currency and predicted accurately that it had to be reset this year because there was no more faking it possible, think about what these things mean. So how is it that a hospital is so intent on getting their money for an admin admit slip or, or a death cert? That money is valueless, just like all the rest of our money is valueless. And for that matter, if you hold gold or silver, It's never going to be valueless, but if money becomes 
a devalued thing, what the hell would you ever translate gold and silver into unless you can trade gold and silver at face value? All these things coming online right now. But when we get back with Agent J, we're going to dig a little bit further in to this this whole COVID thing. And I want to know a few very specific things from her point of view. And even though there's no way in hell any of this is running on social media, I always kind of feel the compulsion because the way Jason and I have set this up to push things into hour two. And the simple truth is, is that hour two does not get posted all over this hellish domain right now. And that insulates. But Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up? Well, for hour two, I would like to take a walk back in time about a year and let Agent J tell us what she saw as the world unfolded with this nonsense from her ground position in the hospitals. Fantastic. Let's keep that one in mind. Anyhow, that does bring hour one of episode 281, which I suspect will go out on the 23rd or maybe Christmas Eve, 24th of December, right after our free bonus issue, which will come out at the low point of the sun on the 21st. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to wish you all out there a happy, healthy, and higher-minded end to this era, which we are knocking on its door. It's right here. If any of the logic we've tried to apply is even in the ballpark of correct, And that means there's a new era. And that means treat your fellow man or woman, or for that matter, any living being with respect, have a positive outlook and transcend this nonsense. And the next time you see someone standing in that divine spotlight, ask yourself, how is it that I am witnessing this? And how am I any different? In other words, we all have the same access. We just got to try to get there. There it is, man. Join us on the other side for hour two of episode 281 at crow777radio.com. Cheers.
belief is the enemy of knowing. Come on.